podcast what's going on guys chase and sarah here hello i, I just realized we don't say our names <laughs> we do sometimes but not often enough i feel like that's the first time i've said my name in probably been a while dozens <laughs> of episodes well if this is the first time you've listened to us welcome thank you for joining us and if this is your 50th episode or 100th 100th Hundredth. Hundredth. There you go. Uh, Welcome back. (laughs) Yeah. And like I said, Chase speaking here. I really think, I don't know, this might be the first time you've ever heard our names. No. No. It's in the podcast description. it's in it. (laughs) I just got to introduce myself. We're teaching our three-year-old to say, hi, my name is Stella. I know. We need to do that more. That's what had me (laughs) thinking about it. Well, thank you guys for joining us. And today is going to be a great episode because we interviewed Marissa Peer, and she is a speaker, rapid transformational therapy trainer, and best-selling author with nearly three decades of experience as a therapist. And if you're listening in the UK, this might mean something to you. If not, still sounds impressive. (laughs) She's been named Best British Therapist by Men's Health Magazine and features in Tatler's Guide to Britain's 250 Best Doctors. (laughs) Please stop. Please stop. You like that? Yes. That was I had to give her the British accent treatment. Not as lovely as her accent. Her accent's so nice. Not nearly. (laughs) Sorry you had to hear that, but it, it does make people sound smarter. They've shown that. Like, you rate people smarter when they have a British accent. Or they wear glasses. Or they wear glasses. I don't know if she was wearing glasses, but <laughs> she sounded smart. She is smart. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> and it was a great episode. And we talk about how to not lose yourself in a relationship and how to communicate your needs and what makes a relationship last long through her, you know, like I said, her three decades of experience. She has a lot of gems in today's episode and uh, you'll be able to listen to her nice accent and take them all in. Yeah. And stay tuned. Uh, At the end of the show, we give you a super valuable exercise to do for your relationship. So stay tuned for that. And as always, thank you so much for listening to the show and sending us your feedback and questions. This episode is actually based off of a topic suggestion that one of you guys sent to us. So we love getting these suggestions because then we're giving you guys the information that you need. So thanks again for listening and enjoy the show. Marissa, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. You're welcome. I'm very excited to be here. Marissa, we've given our listeners a little overview. Why don't you take a minute and tell us why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships? Well, you know, we all want to find love. And I, I meet so many people who've been scarred by love. They got dumb, they got hurt, and they've decided that they'd rather be on their own again. Or I meet people who just want love so badly that they end up with the wrong person. And I did that for years. And now I've got such a beautiful marriage. My husband makes my life in every possible way amazing. And I just sort of like, it's a bit like when you have a baby. You think, almost everyone could have a baby. So sort of people who can't. And having such a lovely marriage myself, I just know that it's possible for anyone 
And I also see that people who want to find love, they try to change the wrong thing, their hair, their weight, their shape, their size, their clothing. And all you have to change is how you feel about you. It's such an easy message to pass on. And I just want everyone to know that. It's funny how the person you were describing might be like a single person trying to change themselves. Um, and how when we're in a relationship, we tend to blame our partner for a lot of the problems instead of looking at ourselves and maybe not changing our physical appearance, but, or, or who we are necessarily, but just looking introspectively and like, Hey, why am I triggered? And so much we found on this podcast through our interviews and then through my personal experiences, so much of the, the issues you can find in a relationship have to do with things that are within our own personal control. And uh, so it's just interesting. And, and today we're going to focus on something that is definitely in our own control, but might be hard to recognize. And, and we'll start off with talking about how to not lose ourselves and our own personal identity in the relationship. So I, maybe we can start with uh, like a picture of a person and they've been in a committed relationship and they are just making all these sacrifices because they, they feel like, and, and they do, they love the person, but they're, they're losing their own personal identity. So I think of like someone that is no longer maybe pursuing a, their passion. Maybe it's, uh, it's some outdoor sport mountain biking and and that just disappears and and they suddenly wake up one day and they realize everything they do is for their partner and that can kind of be unhealthy so can you talk a little bit about that well i think most of us want love so desperately and so deeply that if we find someone who appears to offer us any kind of love we think okay you're the one i'm going to make you love me and i'm going to how can i make you love me i'm going to prove that i'm lovable I'm going to run around town buying you your favorite dinner or getting the stuff you like. And I'm going to show you all the time what a good girlfriend, boyfriend I am. And I'm going to give up all my interests and come to your interests. I'm going to come to yoga. I'm going to come to football. I'm going to watch your movies. And we think that we're showing someone, wow, what a great partner I've got. But actually, we like a challenge. And when someone gives up their whole world for us, it's quite a turn off, actually, because you think, no, I, I, I want to be with someone who's the opposite. That's the big thing about love. We fall in love with the opposite. On the whole, men love curves and long hair and shaved legs because it's the opposite. One, I like muscular butts, the big shoulders, and muscular arms because it's the opposite. And we're all wired to go for the opposite of us. And you make yourself the same as, oh, I like what you like, and I want to do what you want to do. You, you lose, they lose interest in you because the whole point is that you should be in love with someone who isn't like you and you can learn from them and they can learn from you. But it's just a fear. It's a fear if I say I don't like what you like, I hate the music you like or the films you like, you might not like me anymore. So we're always trying to prove our worth to the other person. Look how good I am. Look how great I am. Look how lucky you are to have me. When in fact, you can to prove anything. Just be in love with yourself, and they will like you more anyway. So what's the first step for somebody to realize that they've really lost their identity? And then how would they go about really uh, initiate that or starting to focus on themselves again? 
think women lose their identity very easily, especially when they have children, because suddenly they become someone's wife and someone's mom. And it's all about, you know, running around and doing all the stuff that your kids need. You know, you become a soccer mom or a ballet mom, or you're always, you know, in Whole Foods getting organic food for your kids. And that's all lovely, but have you lost yourself? That's a good question. Have you lost yourself in the process? Do you still do what you like to do? Do you eat the food you like? Do you get to do what you want? Or have you given everything up for your partner? And sometimes it's very hard not to do that. I know when I was a parent, I was a single parent, it was really hard to fit in gym and yoga and meditation. But you, you really have to be able to put yourself first. Not all the time as a parent. You can never do that. But sometimes, because when you say, I'm going to my Pilates or my yoga or I'm going to go and see a movie I want to see, what you say to them in your life is, I deserve this, I'm worth it, I'm taking me time because I deserve it. And actually, you go up in their estimation when you put yourself first. When you put yourself last, what happens is everyone puts you last. Oh, you don't need that. Mom will do that. Don't worry about that. She doesn't care. She doesn't need this. And so it's, you should always make a big point of stating your worth. Maybe give you an example. Many years ago, I had a boyfriend that went to the most expensive part of Italy for holiday. I hadn't met him when he booked it, so I didn't go with him. And then he came back and he came over to my house and he bought me this like box of really cheap candy. When he gave it to me, I just I just threw it on the fire and said, that's really the kind of thing you buy for your cleaning mate, lady. I can't believe you bought me that. And I think he understood straight away because I wasn't being rude. I was just saying, wow, that's such an inappropriate gift. It's like, I know there's a thought that counts, but there is no thought. You just walked through the airport, grabbed any old box of candy and given that to me. And the next day he turned up with flowers and perfume. And I'm really sorry. No, that was such a silly gift. You do have to kind of start the way you mean to go on. And it, it wasn't the cost. It's the fact that he put no thought into it. And I think when you're in a relationship with someone, you must never lose yourself. Like, for instance, if, if a guy wanted to have a first date, he's like, I'm going to come around and bring pizza. And that's okay when you're a student. In fact, it's lovely. But when you're older, you'd be able to say, well, no, I can bring myself a pizza. And again, it's not about money. If someone said, can I come around and cook you a beautiful dinner or make a lovely picnic and take you out? It's a little effort. But if you allow someone to make no effort whatsoever with you, then you're showing them that you don't value yourself. And what will happen is they'll very quickly also stop valuing you. And that's why even in a long relationship, you must kind of like, you know, my husband and I still to this day, he'll always say to me, put your phone down when you're having dinner with me because he thinks it's disrespectful. And he's absolutely right. So when you come in the house, you know, come and give me a kiss before you play your messages back because you need to show me that I'm more important than your messages. And he's absolutely correct. And we both, we both do that for each other. And you must never lose yourself and put someone above you. But I think we get so desperate for love that we keep saying, let me show you how good I am and how tolerant I am. But actually what you're showing the person is that I'm less important than you. And that's not a good idea to do that ever. So I'm feeling this theme of, and it's kind of a cliche, but you know, I'll do anything for you. And when you're in love and especially early in the honeymoon stage, it probably feels very natural and and it's okay to to have that to an extent because I think that's part of being in love and, and just feeling all the endorphins. But 
it's important to not let those take over. And, and like you're kind of saying, like, you don't have to draw like a hard line I and mean, be like always, you know, you better give me a nice, to use your example, you know, a nice present. But it's not about that. It's about making sure, like you said, that, that your partner knows that you value yourself and not even in a negative way. Like if you set the bar super low and that's just how, what's good to you, then, then that's fine. Like if you're perfectly fine with, with not having, you know, people receive love different ways, but whatever, whatever your love language is, if you, if you really like it, when your partner gives words of affirmation and it's early in the relationship and they're just never doing that, well, it is okay to speak up for yourself and, and say, you know, and that's all about communicating. And we talk about these things a lot on, on the show. And if the earlier you establish that, I guess what I'm saying is in the longer, you know, it, the easier it's going to be in the long run. And you don't have to be like on the first date, Hey, you know, you better, <laughs> you better buy me nice things. Cause I, I like, I feel love when, when I get gifts, but I, th- I think the more introspective we are to understand ourselves and how we receive love and the, the better we can communicate that to our partner, the earlier in the relationship, the better off you're going to be. Yeah, and of course, it's not about gifts. It's about actions. Like to this, my husband, when we've been married a while, would just get up and go to bed. And I said to him, you know, darling, when you go to bed, I really like you to lock all the doors and check everything because then I feel loved and protected. And when I have to do it myself and then come up to bed and you're asleep and you haven't even shut the blinds, I feel like you're just not looking after me. And he loved that because he's like, oh, I have to protect my wife. So now every night he will check all the doors and windows and lock them before he goes to bed because we don't always go to bed at the same time. And um, But I asked him in a nice way, it's not about gifts, it's about actions. Your actions need to show me that you love me and care about me and put me first. And my actions need to show you the same. And it's actually fine to say I'll do anything for you if you are also going to do anything for me. Like if your partner would do anything for you, then you should do anything for them. The problem is when one partner saying, I'll do anything for you, and the other one goes, okay, run around town, pick up my dry cleaning, do this, get me that. And they won't. And then when you say, could you go get my medication? I'm sick. They go, I'm too busy. That's completely wrong. It, it has to be equal. And it, it's, and also the doing anything for you has to include, I'll also do anything for myself. I won't do anything for you if it's at my expense. If I've got to miss something that's really important to me in order to get something that's not important to you, that's wrong. Like, you know, for instance, my husband would go and visit my mother because he knew it was important. We didn't really do much for him. But then I would do the same thing with his family. But if it, if he was to say, well, I'm never coming to your family, but you've got to come and see my family. Or if it was like every Christmas we go to my family and we don't see yours because I don't like them, that would be unfair. So you have to have the balance of I do for you and you do for me. And a lot of people think, well, you know, if I love this person, I'll give 50%. And they'll give 50%. You've got to give 100%. But also you've got to say, and I deserve 100% back because I'm worth it. It's all about that. If you know you're worth it, your partner will know you're worth it too. And if you act like you're not worth it, then that becomes a problem because you've lost yourself. But not only have you lost yourself, your partner's lost their sense of what you're worth as well. And that's never a place you want to be. And I can see how by just doing the things you mentioned, like maybe 
say it's okay that your partner didn't go do the errand that you asked for. And then next time it's something else and something else. And then pretty soon you feel like you're doing so much for your partner and you're not really getting anything in return. And I can see how some people just might let that go and say, well, that's just how our relationship works. And so how do you adjust that? How do you kind of wake up and say, okay, I need to make sure it's equal in our relationship and he's giving or she's giving just as much effort into the relationship as I am. But before we continue on, we want to tell you about today's sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by JJ Virgin's seven day stop, drop and swap challenge. The seven-day challenge is designed to help you stop classic symptoms of food intolerances and drop up to seven pounds in seven days by swapping out seven problem foods for healthy, tasty alternatives. And I'm loving my alternatives. But if you forgot what those seven problem foods are, they're gluten, soy, dairy, eggs, peanuts, corn, and sweeteners. And not only do you have the potential to lose weight, but you're just going to feel better. It's not always about losing weight. You're going to feel better because you're not going to be eating these foods that don't really sit well in some people's little bellies. And yesterday was the last day of the second challenge, and Sarah and I both feel great for that reason. I don't think I lost any weight. In, I don't have a ton of weight to lose, but I just feel better, and I felt a lot better because I hadn't been eating dairy and felt lighter and less bloated, a.k.a. gassy, <laughs> a.k.a. no well, farting. I definitely think... <laughs> Thank you for sharing that with our audience. But I mean, I definitely think I, well, I know I lost a couple pounds because I'm not eating any carbs. And so it slims down your stomach and you definitely lose some pounds. So it's a win-win, right? If this is the first time you've heard about this seven-day JJ Virgin Challenge, it involves swapping out problem foods like cow's milk and bread for healthier versions like coconut milk and lettuce wraps. Plus, you drink two delicious smoothies a day and one traditional meal. They offer tons of recipes, and they also provide guides to help people adapt the challenge if you're vegan or eating paleo or feeding a large family. You can sign up for the free challenge anytime at jjvirgin.com forward slash I do. The challenge only lasts seven days. So come on, seven days. You can do Super it. Super easy. <laughs> Again, that's jjvirgin.com forward slash I do to sign up for the free challenge. Today's episode is also sponsored by Babbel. So should I tell them or should you? You can tell them. Okay. So my summer goal was to really get good on my Spanish before we went down to Costa Rica. And we're going to be back down there in, what, two weeks? Get good better than our three-year-old daughter. <laughs> better than our three-year-old daughter. Right. That was the summer goal. Well, I really failed on that one because I didn't practice as much as I should. Yeah. And you have no excuse. <laughs> I have no excuse because, because Babbel is on my phone and I actually downloaded it last, last night and did a bunch of lessons and it is so easy because it took less than 15 minutes and I already feel so much better than I, last night I was about to have a panic attack <laughs> realizing <laughs> that we're going back in two weeks and my Spanish is no bueno. Oh, see, ah. there you go. <laughs> yeah. You know. Sarah's being a little hard on herself. I think her Spanish might be better than Stella. Stella's has gotten a little rusty, having not been there either. That's true. Oh, so can I win by default? 
Okay, yes, you, you <laughs> beat our three-year-old daughter. But keep opening up that app. It's super easy. And as we've told you before, Babbel is the number one selling language learning app in the world. Not only can you learn Spanish, like we're talking about, but you can learn French, Italian, German, Russian, Swedish, and more. Or you can learn them all, like if you're a super overachiever. Yes. Yes. You can try Babbel for free. Go to Babbel.com or download the app and try it for free. That's Babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L.com or download the app to try it for free. Babbel.com. It doesn't have to be exactly equal. It might be 60-40. If you're happy with that, it's fine. It's really about needs. I mean, here's the thing. If you meet someone's needs, they will never leave you ever, ever, ever. If you meet your partner's needs, they will stay with you for the rest of their life. But you might be very frustrated if they're not also meeting your needs. And that whole model of marriage was that women met guys' needs. They cooked, they cleaned, they raised the kids, they met all their needs. And they were very frustrated because nobody was meeting their needs. And so in a relationship, you have to work out, you know, okay, what are my partner's needs? Do I really need to meet for him? And what if my needs, do they really need to meet for me? And it's different for everyone. And what needs can I just say that doesn't matter? And what needs can I maybe meet for myself? You know, maybe your partner loves running marathons and you don't. But you don't have to run with him. You don't have to do any of that. It, a good relationship is where you do stuff together and separately. But it doesn't have to be exactly equal. It's that how do you feel? Do you feel loved? and cherished, you feel respected because the thing that makes a marriage last is not wild sex where you swing from the chandeliers and it's all hot and heavy. The thing that makes a relationship go the distance is respect. Respecting and admiring the other person actually lasts longer than passionate love because when you've got three kids and the boiler's broken and you've got a cold, it's very hard to have passionate love but respect. Now, I study so many couples that have been married for 30 years in some cases, the woman earns more than the guy. And in some cases, it really shouldn't work. And the thing that makes it work is always the same thing. They have so much respect for each other. They never roll their eyes. They go, oh, my God, not that joke again. Or he's driving me crazy. They always respect each other. And you have to, but you, again, you have to respect someone when they're treating you in a respectful way. And you treat them in a respectful way. And it doesn't have to be every minute of every day. Of course, we snap at each other. But if your relationship is based on respect and admiration, then it will probably last for your entire lifetime because that's the most important thing. It is uh, very critical. And one of the things I'm thinking about, we're talking about needs and and fulfilling our partner's needs or feeling like your needs are being fulfilled. But I think a, a key component of that to understand is that our partner is not a mind reader. So a lot of times... We always think that they've married a psychic who knows exactly what they want for their birthday and exactly... And they don't. You have to tell them, you know, your husband's not a clairvoyant. He's just your husband. Yeah, exactly. And and But it, it seems to be a, a reoccurring theme across relationship issues is obviously communication. We talk about it all the time, but I think initially when we hear that, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, my partner needs to communicate better to me. And it's like, no, 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 it's a two-way street. And yeah, they- you need to communicate. If your partner 
you know, like when, when, I, when I married my partner and he's wonderful, I had one birthday and it was the most boring birthday. I think if you got it, it was my birthday. And the next day I said, you know, birthdays are really a big deal to me. And he went, oh, they're not a big deal to me. I don't care about my birthday. I said, but I really care about mine. Now every year he, we always make sure that I have a lovely birthday. And again, it's not about the gift. It's about the effort. But, but he really doesn't care. He doesn't want to celebrate his birthday. He's not interested in it. Um, I still like to make a fuss of him. But I, he always says, you know, you don't have to do that. But the thing that needs is, you know, I was actually talking to my, one of my classes about this last week, is that people have this strange thing. I see this a lot with women and men too. who go, I don't want to have sex anymore. I've lost my libido. I've got to the menopause. I'm not interested. And now you condemn your partner to have no sex as well, which I find very strange because, you know, that's like saying, I don't want to eat meat, so you can never eat meat again. I don't want to watch TV, so you can't watch TV. And my husband has sat through, you know, Jane Eyre, Wuthering Heights, Poldark, Downton Abbey. He does all of that for me because he loves me. And he doesn't love those shows at all, all those romantic, you know, period dramas. They bore him to tears, but he does for me. And I do for him. And I would never go, well, I don't want to have sex anymore, so you can't have sex anymore. than I said, I want to drink anymore, so you can't drink. But we have this strange thing, especially with sex. I'm not interested so I'm condemning you to a life without it too. And we'd never say, I'm not interested in holidays, so therefore you can never have one again either. And we sort of have lost that ability to see that, you know, in a relationship you must give and take. And that does include doing things you don't want to do in the same way that, you know, when I'm a mum, I don't want to stand on the touch in the freezing cold while my kid plays football. But if I love them enough, I'd do that for them, not for me. Your example of the birthday gift is seemingly so simple, but it's it's this constant theme in relationship dynamics of something that's important to you. Your partner is not trying to be malicious or mean. Birthdays just weren't a big deal when they grew up. And, or, and, and th- you can replace birthdays with, you know, f- going to visit family or, or, or going to church or you name it. And, the partner does not have malicious intent, but it's just not a natural thing for them to give the birthday gift. And then you might get upset, but you clearly communicated, hey, you know, birthdays are important to me. And it it's just, I can't stress how simple that that seems, but it's not easy to do because a lot of times we're not raised to, to understand what our needs are and then more importantly to communicate it. So I, I just really stress to our listeners and I know that's something Sarah and I try to do that you don't want to be nitpicky but if something's important to you don't expect your partner to just pick that up and automatically know. Like communicate in a in a clear and kind way not in a in a blaming or malicious way. Hey you know, or when they do something that you do like, say, say your husband gave you the birthday gift and, and you didn't have to ask him. And then you would say, Hey, I, I really love when you do that. It makes me feel so loved. And it reinforces that that's a good positive thing for the relationship. Yeah. And in the same way, you know, if I'm talking to my husband and he's on his phone or looking at a text, I just say, I'll wait till you finished what you're doing. So that's my way of saying, if I'm speaking to you, can you look at me and can you hear what I'm saying? But I wouldn't say it in a nasty way. Oh, look, when I'm speaking, you're not even listening to me. I just say, oh, I'll just wait till you finish what you're doing. And he does the same thing. If he's talking to me, I go, well, I'll wait till you 
put the paper down or wait till you can give me your full attention. You're kind of saying what you want in a much nicer way. But as you said about being psychic, people can't give you what you want unless you tell them what you want. And it's, it's the very same thing in the bedroom. If you don't go, look, I love that, but really that doesn't do anything for me at all, then they're not, not going to know because often we meet someone who's been with someone else who loved something that doesn't really work for us. And the best, best relationships are ones where you can communicate, I love this, I don't love that, that makes me happy, that doesn't, not just about sex, but of course, about everything. I mean, if you have great communication skills, you'll have a better marriage. And, you know, interesting enough, the marriages that last the longer, there are two types. One are Jewish marriages. Um, statistically, they last a long time. And that's partly because Jewish couples go meet the rabbi beforehand and they learn what makes a marriage work? And, and they always say in Jewish marriages, they're always told, and you must, you know, worship your wife and treat her like she's very special. The second marriages that really last amazingly are men who marry their secretaries. And my father married his secretary. It wasn't my mother. It was his second marriage. And that lasted because she always admired him. And she always saw him the way she saw him as her boss. Not that he was a boss by any means, but it was that absolute admiration. She thought he was the most wonderful person in the whole world and, and he felt the same about her. And so again, it comes back to respect and admire them and, and for a marriage to be amazing or a relationship to be married, you must have best friend chemistry and you must have sexual chemistry. And the best friend chemistry means that, you know, even when things are tough, you know, I, I, I'm your best friend. I'm going to put you first. I'll, I'll do anything for you. And such a lovely thing when you have that kind of person that's always got your back. I mean, when my husband says things, I've got that, darling. Leave the builders to me. That to me is like, oh, my God, that's like amazing. That's foreplay to me when he says, that with me. You never have to speak to a plumber or a builder ever in your life because I'll deal with it. And I love that because I know he's looking out for me. But then I, he can't stand packing his luggage. He hates that. So I do. I don't love it, but it makes him so happy. I pack, I unpack, I organize stuff. He can't bear returning stuff to shop. So I do that too because we have that lovely give and take. We each do for the other what, know, what we know makes them really happy and that they really don't want to do themselves. We talked about this earlier, but you mentioned that it doesn't have to be equal. And I think that's important because if you're sitting there feeling like, oh, I did something nice for you and, and you never do anything, you know, continue to do nice things. And if that's a partner that you're going to be with and you've also communicated, which is the key, then they're going to come around if that's the right person for you. If But if they're not willing to grow, then you have an issue. But it, it doesn't need to be like a tit for tat, like, hey, I did this for you. And that's actually really unhealthy. And like you said, it could be 60-40, it could be 70-30, it could be 80-20. If, if you're happy with that 20 and, and you really are respected and you just are really easygoing person and don't have a lot of needs, and then that's beautiful. If As long as the, it's a healthy relationship and there's respect, um, but to avoid that, that tit for tat. And, and it's, it's always, we talk about it a lot, that if you want to see change, be the change. So communicate to your partner, but then try to meet their needs because that, that's likely going to make them want to meet your needs more. Yeah, and don't keep score because keeping score is like, Oh, I'm not doing this because to make you happy, 
I'm doing this to show you what I do for you so that you feel obligated to do it for me. Like you wouldn't go, look, I put a lovely little note in your suitcase when you went away or I put a little note in your handbag. Where's my note? You know, you, you don't do it for that reason. It's like you wouldn't give someone a gift so they give you a gift back and you wouldn't go, well, I spent more on your gift than my gift. Well, I, I hope you wouldn't do that. But keeping score is wrong because, you know, you're giving for the wrong reasons. You give... Um, for the other person, but also the, for yourself because it makes you feel really good to give. But don't give if you're getting nothing back. Then then you'll be... You see, see, it's the balance of you can be a complete martyr at one end of the scale. You can be utterly selfish and they're both wrong. In the middle is the right thing and it's called honoring yourself. So you're not a martyr and you're not selfish. You're not selfish and you're not selfless. You honor yourself. But you also do things for the people that you love because it makes you feel wonderful. What would the conversation look like um, for somebody who wants to bring up uh, this issue in their relationship? They feel like they're not being as respected as they could. What were the type of words or phrases or things that they could say to their partner so that their partner uh, doesn't go on the defense? Whenever you attack someone and go, you make me feel, or you don't do, they, they will come back with, well, you make me feel. So the first thing to do is to say, um, I want to take some, I want to take responsibility for what's happened here. I've noticed that I've picked up your laundry for the last five years and I've never complained about it, but I've suddenly realized that I really resent the fact that you never pick up your laundry, but it's my fault. It's a bit like a mother who allows her kids to become utterly spoiled. And then says, why don't you respect me when they never ask, you never ask them to respect you by going, there's the laundry basket and I do your laundry that's in the basket. So the first thing is to say to your partner, look, I want to own my part in this and I'm responsible. I've never told you how I feel because the saddest thing will go, I'm leaving you, you know, at five years of you never stacking the dishwasher. I'm off and they go, but why didn't you tell me? I would have done that. I had no idea you even minded. Be very nice, because when you go into blaming, you make me, you did that, you never forgot on my birthday, you're horrible to my mother-in-law, you're attacking someone. When you can say, I've played a part in this, I haven't been honest, I haven't expressed myself, it's caused me unhappiness, I need to own that now. And I need to tell you very honestly, this is how I feel. It's not entirely your fault, it's really my fault. And I don't want to blame you, I just want to move on, I want to draw a line and start over. And I want to talk about some of my needs and I want to work out, can you meet some of my needs? And if you can, then please, when I finish, tell me your needs and I'd be delighted to work out which one I can meet. So let's do a list of needs and, and then let's work out which needs you can meet, which needs I can meet, which needs are not that important or we can just let it go. Like I could say I have a to my teenage daughter to tidy her room but I've learned actually just to shut the door don't go in there because it's a complete waste <laughs> of energy trying to get teenagers to tidy up because they don't even see the mess but if you can start like that and, and also there's something called the sandwich technique if you imagine the two slices of bread and the filling so you say to your partner I love you I appreciate you I adore you I'm so glad I'm married to you but I have an issue with the fact that you, you never lock the door when you come in. You, you bring the car home with no gas, and I try to take the kids to school, and we, we run out of gas. It's very straight. Whatever your problem is, you, you batch the filling. This is the thing I can't take anymore. Um, and then you finish with the 
compliment again, but I love you enough to work this out together. So present it in a very nice way. Compliment, hit them with a thing that's upsetting you. Compliment again. I, I want to work this out. I don't want to hold on to this resentment. I love you. And the resentment I feel is getting in the way of me loving you. And I don't want anything to get in the way of me loving you. And I'd rather tell you now and have it out there, even though it's going to cause some friction, than hold on to it because I don't want anything to stop me loving you. Most guys go, oh, I love that. My wife loves me so much. And women too, if you go, look, darling, I love you, really love you, but I'm finding I'm also starting to resent you because, you know, you're doing this, you're doing that, and I don't like it, but I like you. People can always listen to anything if you couch it in the right way. Praise, hit them with it, praise. Or if you say, this hurts my feelings, you know, never say you make me angry, you upset me, you annoy me, you drive me crazy. You say, it hurts my feelings when you don't call to say you're going to be late or it hurts my feelings when you go out with your friends but don't suggest I'd like to come or, you know, it hurts my feelings that you don't say, oh, you've been dealing with that all day, let me let me take the load off or you don't want to listen to my problems, that hurts. Or you pick up the remote control and flick through stuff and then watch them without going, "Do you? is this interesting to you? Do you like it? No, I hate it. But I really hate it. You haven't even asked me if I want to watch a program on World War Two, And no, I don't. But you can do it very nicely. And nicely is always the key. <laughs> yes. And, and, and the tone is important, but it's amazing how simply replacing you with I and using I statements can make a conversation so much more productive. Yeah, say we instead of you. We, you know, we've been together, we got married because we love each other and we've kind of drifted apart and we've forgotten what we're, what this is all about rather than you. You are so selfish and you're so lazy. And, you know, one of my clients told me a beautiful story that she was leaving her husband. She'd had enough. He just wasn't there for her and she was packing to go. And she was on the radio. You know, they have sounds of the 60s or sounds of the 70s happened to be sound to the 80s, and they were playing all the songs that they dated to, and they started to play some of the songs at her wedding. She said, it was so weird, I got all my clothes out of the case, put them back in the cupboard, because those songs reminded me of why I fell in love with my husband. And that's such an important message, because often when you go to marriage guidance counselors, they ask, what do you hate about your partner? What do they annoy you? And you go, oh, I can't stand this and this and this. And it's totally the wrong question. The question should be, what do you love about your partner? What would you miss if they weren't there? What would be, what would you find unbearable if they weren't in your life? And when my husband annoys me, which of course he does, and I annoy him, I just stop and imagine my life without him. And then I think, no, I'd hate my life without him. And so I, I suck it up because he gives me so much. And while he does have his little things that annoy me, Every time I think of my life without him, it's not a life that's better. It's significantly worse than my life with him. And we should all stop and do that. You know, there's no point in complaining your partner's got bad breath. When someone else goes, God, I'd just love to have a partner. And and people do, they go, oh, God, my husband is so annoying. And they go, oh, I'd love to have that. They're saying my kid is keeping me up all night to someone else who would just love to have a kid that kept them up all night. And it's good to remember that your problem with your partner someone else's fantasy dream come true. They would love to have a partner to argue with and to keep them up at night and who doesn't, you know, rinse out the bath. 
so we always have to think how lucky we are to have someone that loves us rather and and if you look for what's good not what's bad of course that's one of the rules of the mind whatever you focus on you get more of the focus on all the good stuff and you'll get more of that when you focus on the bad stuff guess what you get a lot more of that well i think that is an excellent exercise that I encourage our listeners to do with their partner is to make a list of all the things they love about their partner and and focus on those. And I think that's something that we should do after this podcast. (laughs) Absolutely. It's going to be a long list. Very long list. (laughs) Well, they say if you're feeling listless, make a list. And I think that's a great motto. Well, Marissa, thank you so much for all of this great information. Before we wrap up, do you want to leave our listeners with anything? You kind of just gave us a great exercise. Um, and let us know where they can find you online, and then we'll say goodbye. Yeah, you can find me on marissapeer.com. I'm so glad I have an unusual name, marissapeer.com. And I, we, I always give away products on how to find love and maintain love and attract love, and they're all free. So... I also have a new book called I'm Enough, and that's full of um, really amazing techniques to make you know that you're lovable, because to find love, that's what you want, need most of all to know that you're worthy of it, and then you'll have no problem finding it or indeed keeping it. So you can go to I'mEnough.com, and we have all kinds of stuff on there too. Excellent. Well, we'll have your website and your book, I Am Enough, on your show notes page on our website at idopodcast.com. And our listeners know to go there to check out all those great resources you've given us today. And again, thank you so much for joining us on the show. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Hi, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, all the links are in the show notes page, as well as on the podcast description. And while you're on our website, we encourage you guys to check out our 14 day happy couple challenge. We send you an email for 14 days with simple, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And on our website, we also have a bunch of free resources for your relationship. So we encourage you to check those out. Uh, We also have our love tribe on Facebook. Uh, We encourage you guys to join the tribe and uh, be there for support for each other. If you have questions or just need some relationship advice, we are all here for each other. Um, The group has grown to almost a thousand people um, and we love it. So we hope you guys join that. You can go to Facebook, Love Tribe Fam. And you'll find us right there. And if you are interested in learning more about our flagship course, Spark My Relationship, we hope you guys check it out. We have a special offer that is only for podcast listeners. So you can go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock and you can unlock that special offer and learn more. As always, thank you guys so much and we'll see you next week.